Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Justin Tyson. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. That is right. You are listening to Paul and Justin. I'm a producer. <laughs> I, think, a I think the last time we co-hosted was back at Diesel Power Challenge, huh? I think, I think the last time we co-hosted was back at Diesel Power Challenge, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was back the yeah, in the hotel room exhausted. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um all right, so Chris Emke was out today. We brought in special guest co host Justin Tyson. Uh he's gonna help me get through a really interesting topic. History of power stroke. So last week we did the history of Duramax. Chris and I went through every iteration of the Duramax. We even covered some of the six five stuff that I don't care about. Um and even I think talked about some of the, the other stuff or I'm sorry, other models out there of diesel engines from GM. Today for Power Stroke, we're going to hone in just on the Power Stroke. But before we do, I wanted to real quick talk about Exergy Performance's 10 mil CP4 pump. Justin, um, you've heard us talking about this. I think we've we, you've dealt with quite a few trucks, like uh, Mike Gutshell's truck over here at the shop that has that that pump on it, yeah. as well as Jamie Curley. Both those are 600, 700 horsepower trucks, respectively. Uh, it's a drop-in built CP4. So CP4s are the high-pressure fuel pump that came out in 2011 with the Duramax, and they're notorious for failing. Uh, they have some some serious internal components that let loose. The screen gives way, and then it destroys the whole fuel system. Not good. Yeah, yeah. Talk about an expensive day. Uh, it got so bad that GM actually has a like CP4 fuel system replacement kit that's extremely affordable. Don't they have something else going on, like a lawsuit? Yeah, there is. I, I have heard rumors. I have not looked up for verification, uh, but assuming you can learn things on Facebook. I don't think that's true. Uh, but if you could learn things on Facebook, you would believe that there is a lawsuit pending against GM. It, it, it's potentially a real thing. Mm-hmm. Here's my deal. I don't want to wait for a lawsuit and class action and bullshit. I want my truck to run. I want my truck to make power and do what it's supposed to do. And I want to be able to rely on this thing. So the 10 mil pump is going to give us higher fuel output, means more power. Uh, and if you match that with some Duramax tuner tuning, that means you're going to have a clean running, badass emissions equipped truck now that's right it can be used for a hundred percent emissions equipped builds uh there are other people who have used it in other ways i think that's all i need to say there uh (laughs) they do also offer a a smaller modification that you can make to your stock cp4 if you only want to increase reliability so if you're happy with 520 530 rear wheel horsepower and you just want to know that you can rely on the pump you can look into a fuel system saver and that's an improved M-prop screen is, is what it initially okay. comes down okay. to. So it, it's it's an improved uh, screen that'll prevent the rest of the fuel system from being destroyed if, God forbid, the pump failed. It also does help with the reliability of the pump itself. Nice. So it's called a fuel system saver. Uh, those are also, of course, available at DuramaxTuner.com. So if you need them, let us know. Well, still a little disappointed. I was supposed to go up there with Nick, <laughs> and I never got to go to Exergy. I'm still kind of upset about that. Well, we will make that trip uh, in 2020-something. <laughs> Eventually, we will make that trip. All right. All right. Hey, guys, from Facebook, this segment is where we take something that was either sent to the podcast via email, Facebook, private message, Instagram, whatever. Sometimes we even pull them off of the podcast, Diesel Performance Podcast Q&A Facebook group. 
God, I hate that name. Please, please, please submit a suggestion for a new name for our group. Uh, this whole segment sponsored by WC Fab. Now, you guys have been hearing us talk about Exergy and WC Fab since the inception of the show. Uh, that's because this show has essentially three sponsors. Calibrated Power, home of Duramax Tuner, Exergy Performance, and WC Fab. We work at Duramax Tuner, Calibrated Power. That's why they sponsor the show, right? Exergy and WC Fab, we selected them as sponsors and, and, and wanted to partner with them because we honestly recommend their parts. This is what we put on our trucks. This is what we put on company trucks. This is what we put on customer trucks. Uh, so definitely, if you need any anything that WC Fab offers, they're the vendor we would suggest to work with. Definitely, yeah. This week, Justin, you want to read what Jerry Haveman said to us? Jerry Haveman says to us, uh, how much horsepower and or torque will a Stealth 64 or 67 add to a basically stock truck? Only mods are SMB intake and no muffler. 0659 Cummins. I, I was surprised that that some people had missed this, and, and my... My love goes out to Brad Sankey, who's a previous guest on the show, previous sponsor of the company, friend of mine, friend of the companies, um, where, where I think even people miss that, you can still pick up power with, with just a Stell 64 drop-in or Stell 67. We would expect to see the same or very similar results. Uh, we, we had a built trans truck here. Jim Rendant had his Cummins on the dyno. He had a built trans in it, intake, exhaust lift pump traction bars nothing else uh we swapped out the turbo and ran the exact same tune file back to back he picked up 80 rear wheel horsepower yeah. now that's a stock fuel system running on a max effort tune so we're anytime we add air to that tune we're going to pick up power because it's already maxing out the amount of fuel we have now, if you're on a stock trans truck, I wouldn't expect you to pick up 80 horsepower because we just, in all honesty, have not provided you with enough fuel in that race tune to see you pick up 80 horsepower. However, we would still expect you to, to see you pick up something. That exact amount, I don't know off the top of my head, um, but but you are going to pick up some horsepower and torque. You're also going to pick up some sound. You're also going to pick up some EGT control. Um, you're going to have a more fun truck to drive no question yeah definitely absolutely no question uh so i think that's a home run for you man if you're looking for it i was just talking to another customer yesterday he was asking me the difference between a 67 and 64 we talked about his build he said he was never going to go bigger than about a set of 30 or 60 percent over injectors and a 10 mil pump i told him go with the cheaper turbo it, it it's going to operate more efficiently across the range you're going to love it uh so it's it's a home run for for a guy like that uh, a few projects going on at Duramax Tuner, uh, Calibrated Power. Uh, first things first, uh, Roxor Trip. Justin, <laughs> you and I went out, and we beat the ever-living piss out of a Mahindra Roxor. Why yeah, don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, two of them. <laughs> uh, so we had uh, Dan from uh, Tools in Action stop by, and uh, we went out to a trail and uh, essentially got filthy, pretty sure both of us got yelled at by our significant others when we went home uh yeah because paul and i handle media and marketing so we were literally filming these guys just in what do you say some spots two feet of water yeah easy easy <laughs> um 
What a wild time. If you guys haven't checked out a Mahindra Rocks or it's a Jeep Willys look like, uh, they come from India. They're manufactured to be side by side ATV, UTV units, right? So they're they're not road legal. However, you can get them street legal, uh, which is what Dan Maxey uh, did. Now he his channel uh, is Tools in Action. Mm-hmm. Huge subscriber base. A lot of great videos, mostly about tools. But they they had done this feature on the Mahindra Rocks or and all the upgrades they had put on it, and his probably has three times the budget for for upgrades um and and at least half the amount of power that that ours had yeah right so he had nothing for power except for the tune all he had was a modified tune from somebody else and then every cool fucking thing you could bolt on or yeah. fabricate on it looked awesome it, did. I mean, it, it really looked did it was awesome. a sweet it was sweet uh and he had it plated so i got to drive it on the road without worried about you know getting oh, arrested also dan is cool as shit yeah a lot of fun <laughs> uh we stumbled upon somebody who was kind of local to us they had 150 170 acres for hunting and four wheeling that's, that's literally what their property is for so we got we, we stumbled upon this the day before the shoot and, and yeah we went out and we Got so much video. Yeah. Um, I think the theme of the day was Justin and I looking at each other, going, "I can't believe we're getting paid for this." <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. What a wild time, man! When you get to have fun at your job like that, there's just nothing better. And guys, I will say, uh, the difference between a hundred or I, I don't know, maybe a, a seventy-five horsepower Rocksor, which is what they come, four-cylinder turbocharged diesel five-speed manual transmission side-by-side at 75 horsepower and ours at 200 horsepower there's there's they're just different vehicles at this point like it's just it's like getting into a whole different type of vehicle and man we had so much fun They, they just i can't get over that we actually got to do that so that was a blast uh one of the other things i wanted to talk about is our stealth 67 and 67 g2 line of turbos I think people have heard us talking about the Stealth Turbos for a long time, Justin. It feels like it was just yesterday because we've been here so long, but they've been around. You know what I mean? It's It's been around for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> so it, we are talking about it, it a lot. I was going to say it's scary to think because I the Stealth Turbo came out right after I started. And I know you and I are, are you're number two and I'm number three in seniority here in the company That's for weird. how long we've been here, which is just, a, <laughs> I still feel new, just to be honest. Um, and I remember when the Stealths came out. So I guess they've been out as long as we've been here, uh, just about. And, and it's wild because when we rolled out the 64, we were only selling twin kits back then. Yeah. That, that's it. If you came to Duramax Tuner and you wanted a, a turbo upgrade, the only thing we would sell you is a twin kit. And then we rolled out the Stealth 64 for the LB7, and then the VVT 64, and then the 64 G2, and then the LML 64. And then we got into this crazy idea in 2019 about the Stealth 67, which is a perfectly stock-appearing drop-in turbo that you need no accessories to bolt on. You you literally pull the old turbo out, put the new turbo in, and it's going to make more power. And it's still, the, the huge key on this is it's still going to maintain that stock-like spool up, that, that super quick, responsive feeling that you want from your truck. Um so they're they're just great turbos. Now that they've been out for over over a year, some of them over a, over two years, we're seeing that they're also extremely reliable. Although we went through massive durability testing in house, you want to see them out on the street. You want to see them perform. And those Stell sixty sevens, they hold the fuck up. Um, so if you guys are considering a turbo upgrade for your Duramax or your O three to O seven Cummins, definitely check out the Stell sixty seven line of turbos, custom veins. Uh, 
custom wheels, custom cuts, custom housing. It's the perfect turbo for somebody who's going to grow into an 800 horsepower build down the road, and they still want to drive their truck every day. Yeah, it's it's a great drive. It's a great driving turbo. I mean, it's it's insane how well that thing is. I I'm still in awe of it from when they first incorporated it. So absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, Justin, um, we we said it at the top of the show. We are going to dive into the history of Power Stroke. Can I just say the first thing here? that I think most Ford Power Stroke fans don't know. Power Stroke's two words. There's a space <laughs> in between power and stroke. It's a reference to a the actual diesel mechanical operation of the power stroke, which is when the cylinder compresses the fuel. That is the power stroke when your cylinder is rising. Uh, it's, it's an actual description. It is two words, not one word. No big deal. Ford fans, feel free to hate me for saying that. It is true, but you can only hashtag it in one word. So <laughs> it's 2019, Paul. Come on. Come on now. Kick us off, bro. Tell me about that 7.3. All right, 7.3. So uh, Power Stroke 7.3 production runs. We uh, It was incorporated in 1994 and a half, like most of these things do. Yeah, always. <laughs> uh, to 2003. You know, to kick it off, the first model had uh, 210 horsepower as well as 425 foot pound of torque which is significant for that time frame yeah for sure i mean uh, everybody was right around there yeah nine yeah right (laughs) yeah we're old so uh yeah essentially um i got into that we uh paul and i were looking up some interesting things about it the uh it was uh, technically developed as a replacement for the aging seven 0.3 0.3 liter IDI. So I think I'm with you on this. So the 7.3 IDI is a, a, a naturally aspirated, no turbocharger on that. Uh, but everybody else in the industry is going to turbocharging at this time in the world. Uh, they're, they're seeing the writing on the wall that if you're going to have a diesel, it needs more horsepower than what the IDIs provided. Uh, the, the turbocharger is just l- like, I think it's just an evolution of technology. They, they knew they needed it and they got in early. If I could just be honest, they got in before anybody else did to have a turbocharged diesel provided in a, a regular pickup truck for normal consumers. Yeah, and then that thing came with the uh, the Huey, the hydraulic electric unit injector. Huey, <laughs> Huey, so, Huey, Huey. So a little Huey. bit about that. <laughs> Sorry. Is, uh, it's characterized, which is it's a simple that uses highly pressured engine oil as a medium for creating fuel pressure directly in the injector body as opposed to a system requiring a typical injector pump in lieu of an injection pump the 7.3 utilizes an h-pop which is the high pressure oil pump and a low pressure lift pump in order to create fuel pressures up to 21,000 psi so it is it is a high pressure fuel system but it's not a common rail high-pressure fuel system. It's not run off of a high-pressure pump that's forcing fuel at a massive rate directly into the the common rail, a single rail shared between all of the injectors, and then the injectors direct injecting fuel into the cylinder. Instead, this is running off of high-pressure oil, uh, like a hydraulic unit, uh, to create those high-pressure situations. So pretty interesting uh, design. My understanding, correct me if I'm wrong here, um, this is something that other industrial and medium-duty applications were already using. 
I'm pretty sure, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. It was saying that they imp- implemented it because it improved performance, lower emissions, because at this point, they're kind of, I mean, the 90s were a little bit getting there on that, that trying to get things yeah. a little bit better. 03 is when EGR started to be required, 03, 04 and a half right in there. And then uh, better fuel economy they were talking about because that was also a huge thing there for a little bit. Uh, from increased fuel atomization and greater control over injection events. Yeah, fuel atomization, that's something that I think a lot of us forget about, that there's so much technology has been driven around getting fuel to spread throughout the air inside of a combustion cylinder. So if you, it's like if you have a spray bottle and you put the nozzle on to squirt compared to if you put the nozzle on to mist. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a different volume of fuel that's going to be able to be used. If you if you squirt it into the injectors and it's just solid fuel in a, in a line of fuel, only the outside, only the, the fuel molecule or the fuel, only the parts of the fuel that are mixing with oxygen are going to burn. Whereas in if you mist it, more of that fuel is going to burn. You're going to be able to capture more energy uh, from that that operation and it's one of those the 7.3 is i mean you go on power stroke form people love that truck i i was reading through it today it is it is it is loved drove <laughs> one bro uh i'll tell you what if you want a truck that's going to run forever 7.3 is a really good option uh if you want a truck that's built for diesel performance you're probably not going to land on a 7.3 yeah, she's old school <laughs> just being real and um it's one of those things where for the first four years they came with the transmissions changed essentially I believe uh, in 98, they swapped them. In uh, in 94 to 98, they came with a five-speed manual option or a four-speed auto transmission. And then in 99 to 03, they had the uh, six-speed manual and the four-speed auto. And uh, it was a slight 10, I think it was about 10 horsepower bump. The reason why I'm not going through and giving every, it was like every year there was like a five to 10 horsepower bump with all the little things they did to it. So we just did a start and end here for this thing because <laughs> it was it was a long run. I mean, shit, well, it ran for almost 10 years. Yeah. You know, so essentially we got that. And then I know the turbo uh, from 94 to 97, they ran a Garrett TP38. It was a compressor wheels inducer 60 millimeter, exducer 80 millimeter. The turbine wheel inducer is 76.2 millimeter and the exducer was 70 millimeter. And then in 97, they changed it with a wastegate, and that's about the only thing that was different on there. So essentially when it comes to the turbo, the only thing that I noticed that people were talking about, uh, the 7.3 had some no-start issues. Granted, they're getting older, right? But uh, lift pump failures and injection pressure uh, regulator issues. Okay. So essentially, I know, people love that truck. It's <laughs> not a lot of power, but they love that truck. I mean, we heard one of the guys, uh, Justin Pike, talk about his uh, granddad's yeah is uh, a 500 horsepower, so he's. You know, We're going to hear from it. him a little bit later in the episode. You guys will, will find out a little bit more about that. But yeah, man, that's it. You, yeah, yeah, your dad, your granddad, uh, or you as a child uh, probably bought and drove one of those if if you were really into reliable diesels. Um, now it, it is so funny to read the wording about the transition to the six liter because if you go to great resources i'm sorry we didn't list today's resources uh we used AutoWise. uh there was an excellent article over there on the history of these of ford power stroke engines we used truck trend um definitely mike mclaughlin put together an excellent uh article before the 6.7 liter came out so at the at the time of publishing that article it was only up to the 6.4 and then one of my favorite places uh diesel hub or this case powerstrokehub.com um 
God, there's, I can't say enough good stuff about them. That's no. really where we go to get our facts. Yeah, for sure. It's like if we want verified facts, I feel like that's my my go to. Well, um, on the seven three to end it off, they did end at two hundred seventy five horsepower when they started at two ten. Ooh. And uh, five hundred twenty five uh, five hundred twenty five foot pounds of torque. So, so let's think back. So two thousand three. So what else is out in a two thousand three model? So I can get LB7. a seven three. Let me just think about this. So I can get a 7.3 at 275 horsepower. I can get an LB7 at 300 horsepower. Or I can get a Cummins. I don't know if the high output was out in 03. That might be later in 04. But I want to say there's still 300 horsepower, 290 horsepower, or something like that. So pretty pretty tight market. But I think, I think what's interesting is at the beginning of Power Stroke, they were cutting edge technology. It was new stuff nobody had seen in the diesel pickup market. And they literally changed the trajectory of the industry and then at the end of the 7.3 they at that point had fallen behind technology uh they, they had relied on it for too long i think and had not looked at the innovations so when emissions regulations came out in 2003 2004 whenever they had to finally be implemented um they're the only ones who cut displacement they're the only ones who went to a smaller engine. They could not get the 7.3 to meet emission standards. They had to go to a smaller displacement motor, add emissions equipment, and because of the way the industry was going, they had to increase the horsepower output pretty dramatically. So in 2003, you, you saw what I have adoringly called the worst engine ever built for a diesel truck. Um <laughs> And that's the six liter. Uh, so it came out. It's like 325 horsepower. It runs a 5R110, which is a badass transmission, the torque shift. Uh, and then, of course, there's also a ZF6 manual option with them. Uh, this engine was so bad that Ford and Navistar eventually went to court over it. That's a direct quote from the AutoWise article. Um, so, so this is a rough one. And, and we've met some of the guys who worked in their QC department. I get it. Yeah. Let me just start there. Um, but they, they did. They, they were plagued w- with issues. EGR's plugging. Uh, this is the first EGR that Ford ever put on a diesel. It's the, the standard EGR valve and cooler kind of setup. They had... Injection control pressure issues, surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. leftover from the 7.3, and they had injection pressure regulator issues. They also had FICM failures. They also had head gasket failures. Um, they also have injector failures. Like, six liters just have a lot of maintenance issue. Now, we have talked to some experts who so passionately believe in bulletproofing and not just buying bulletproof quote-unquote brand parts but actually bulletproofing this motor that they still buy six o's to this day uh guys who i respect guys who i think are really fucking smart guys like art martinez and steven peters from psp diesel definitely um you still couldn't pay me to fucking own one of these. I, I just, no, well, no way, man. We're not smart, though. You They're just said guys fair. that are smart. Guys that are smart. <laughs> they like them. I don't. I, it's, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Okay. So so there, there are a few things about these that I thought, again, with my background is mostly with Duramax. So so when I hear about things like this, I'm always kind of surprised. Again, 03, Duramax has launched this, this badass new revolutionary diesel engine, uh, which it was in 01 when it came out. Definitely. Uh, and then the six liter comes out in 03 and it's iron black, iron heads, uh, Huey injection, yeah. VGT turbo, which which a lot of failures with those too, probably because of all of the EGR failures and things of that nature. Um, th- there's 
the head gasket failures get blamed on a lot of shit. They get blamed on too hot of tunes. Everybody's running too hot of tunes. I don't believe that. Um, they do get blamed a lot on the four bolt per cylinder head mm-hmm. uh, pattern that 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 doesn't allow it to flex the right way, or it allows it to flex too much, or it's not enough. It, it's it. There's so many problems, guys. That yes, you can fix anything, but what's the cost of that? I think people have to factor in. I'm just shocked that it went that long. Yeah, well, okay, again, there's also half-year iterations. This is like a famous thing from Ford is that there's a 6-liter that runs from 03 to 07, Mm -hmm. but none of the parts from 05 to 07 will fit on an 03 to 05, and then even in there, there's probably an 04.5-05 model, and forgive me, some Ford guy's going to write me a message about how I got all the dates wrong. I don't care, please. Uh, But yeah, there are a bunch of small iterations throughout the years. Again, they brought this thing out at 325 horsepower, 560 foot-pounds of torque in 03. Four years later, they ended the run, and they had basically just bumped it up to 570 foot-pounds, which I think is a rating. I don't think they make more power. Maybe they do. I would love to see a test proving it. Um, And and they are allegedly 05 and plus. They had fixed all of the 6-liter problems much less prone to failure that's again in air quotes i know you can't see that on the podcast um but yeah allegedly a lot of these parts were fixed now navistar international whoever there was another six liter version that ran in medium duty applications that was not required to have the emissions equipment on them i believe there were also some other small um differences between that industrial medium duty application and the six liter we saw in the the f-250 f-350s those are again alleged to be much more reliable Uh, so i'm not sure if we have a chicken or egg scenario there you know did did the emissions equipment cause all the failures or did all of these other stupid plans cause the failures hey i don't know it's hard i mean when you introduce something like an egr introducing it it's not well we know the lb7 uh carb or lb7 california egrs and the llys which are the same year range as this stuff yeah but most of those fail too yeah for sure so like the egrs fail i get it the difference is on those trucks and the egr fails you're not worried about a head gasket Mm -mm. it'd be very very rare to see that be the cause and effect um for sure so so that that's why i say listen like it's hard to argue about the six liters reputation i think we can all say that the the known reputation is not a good one uh i do understand there are guys out there who know how to work on these and know how to make these really badass engines and what's the one thing every six liter guy tells us justin my truck sounds awesome (laughs) um didn't tyler one of our buddies here that you know he was did our sled pulling and tyler that used to work here he essentially had a didn't he have a six oh tattoo yeah, Tyler. Yep. I mean, there's power, there's, power stroke, out. power stroke. I one day asked him, he "Is power know. stroke two words?" I don't remember what his answer was. He said was. two words. I, so he was I'm right. I'm giving my boy the benefit. Yeah, he was of right. Tyler okay. said two words. I was gonna say I just don't remember his answer. He I'm had a tattoo and split in two words. Yes, yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> not saying he had to look at it to check, but. <laughs> uh, we love you, Tyler. Absolutely. Miss you, buddy. Um. Okay. So so that that wraps up my my rant about six liters. Yeah, so uh, essentially passing the baton off to the 6.4, which came in uh, 08 to 10. Not very long run, but you know you know how these things run. <laughs> every, to start us off here, Justin, everybody hates the diesel trucks that were manufactured from everybody from 07.5 to 10. Uh-huh. I, they were I, all garbage. I think we know why. Yeah. DPF and EGR. The DPF was now on the truck. This yeah. is the first year. 
Um, it, I will say this though, it came out it came out essentially at 350 horsepower and 650 foot pounds of torque. It's a competitive rating. Duramaxes yeah. in this year are, are rated at 360. Rated at 360. I know they dyno different, but rated at 360. For I don't remember what the Cummins are at this point. So an early six seven, forgive me. I don't remember the rating. I want to say again, right in that like three forty, three fifty range. Okay, I think so they're, they're right rated there. at. Yeah. Uh, essentially, um, you know, it's got the uh, high pressure common rail. I think this is the f- yeah first year of first the common year, rail. Yeah, first yeah. year of the common rail, and then the Bosch CP four injection pump. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we just we just talked about CP4s at the top of the show. Um, thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, but but went to Bosch. I've, uh, Duramax and Cummins are already on Common Rail Bosch. Uh, com- Duramax obviously launched a, a Common Rail Bosch setup in 01. Cummins jumped onto it in 03. Here we are in 08. I just want to mention this: five years behind the rest of the industry. Ford has now gotten on board. No bias in my comment there. Interesting thing they also incorporated was that uh, the sequential mounted twin turbochargers. Oh, God, yes. So essentially there's a high pressure and a low pressure turbo. So I'm going to give you some specs on each turbo first, and then I'll explain a little bit what it does. Can you give me... Can you give me the compressor wheel sizes first yeah. on both of them? Yeah, for sure. And um, the only reason we found this, this is very hard. I could not find anything online. Uh, luckily, we have a manufacturing department and a 6.4 enthusiast by the name of Dylan. <laughs> our boy Dylan, one of our turbo uh, machinists. He Don't judge his intelligence by what truck he drives. No, Dylan is one of the best people <laughs> I've ever met. Dylan is a great dude. Um, I went down there and asked him for some specs, and he got so excited to talk about the six four i'm not kidding he was like yeah buddy let's step Sweet over to my six fours fuck yeah <laughs> all right so compressor wheel on the high pressure charger is uh 51.43 millimeters the, small yeah the exducer 74.15 millimeter okay uh the low pressure is 63.87 inducer 91.79 millimeter. That is a small set of chargers. Yeah. Okay, uh, Duramax, Cummins, even the newer Power Stroke stuff, we do 64 millimeter drop-in single chargers. That's the size of their their low pressure. That'd be the big one. So, like, twin kits, you and you would probably be more familiar with, Justin, would be like an S475 stocker kit. Um, your VVT stuff, high 50 millimeters, right? Mid to high 50 millimeter f- factory. Um, and then your, obviously, that's your high pressure. And then your low pressure charger, your bigger charger. We run a 75 mil. I don't think I've ever put a twin kit together with anything smaller than a 75 mil. I know this is from the factory. They need to dial that sequential back. I just think it's badass. They did a sequential turbo from the factory. It was that's pretty, cool. It was pretty cool. It was. A, I mean, it was a cool concept, and you know, the it ter- could have sa- it could have saved the reputation after the run of the six liters. Yeah, I feel like they the pressure was on to make a splash, and it, it could have saved the 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 whole idea in the diesel performance industry of a Ford. Yeah, no, for sure. And then with that turbine wheel, the inducer on the high pressure, 69.32, exducer, 62.28 millimeter. Yep. Uh, and then on the low pressure, we got a 79.82 millimeter on the inducer and the exducer, 73.41 millimeter. Did he like go and pop the hood and tear the turbos off of his truck in the parking lot? Dude. 
He no, he had a little Bible that he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, Dude, what, what do we got in there? I'm like, this is like secret plans, you know? Some- he just has things I've learned about my six oh, four. Man. Dear diary, I learned something new about the yeah. six four today. Yeah, dude. And um, you know, essentially, <laughs> found a cool little little diagram on this uh, sequential turbocharger. It was it, twin turbocharger. It was really interesting. So the way it works is, you know, it's a pair of turbos running in series, unlike twins, which are parallel. Compounds use two different sized turbos: low pressure and high pressure, like we spoke about. The low pressure, the larger, as you know from the specs we just gave you, ingest atmospheric air that then feeds into the high pressure, the smaller charger which then sends air into the intercooler or engine. Yeah, that's right. It's double turboed. <laughs> yes. And there's a nice little diagram on it. But I saw, I found on essentially Power Stroke Hub. And it, it was really interesting because, I mean, I don't really, I like. I'm like Paul. I was raised on Duramaxes here. I essentially know a lot. I used to tune the Duramaxes before this. And it's one of those things where, like, I'm like, okay, because... That was a bad word back in the day. Was power stroke? <laughs> That's naughty, naughty word around we'll here. We'll never tune saying a power stroke. Here. So uh, learning about this stuff has been very interesting. But I found that thing to be unique, you know. So essentially, especially coming out of this, out of the factory like that. Yeah, man. You know? Nobody else has done it. Uh, so essentially, inclusion to that, they, you know, the transmission, you know, five-speed auto still, as well as that six-speed manual. Not much change. I don't think much changed out from the 6.0, right? I mean, not much. No. Yes. Yeah, There's so, probably some updates in the trans would be, I would imagine. You know, uh, let's go over some. Uh, let's go over some common problems and concerns. Is that is that a, a full novel you have there it with is. problems and concerns? <laughs> it oh, is. So I'm only going to highlight a few because I don't want to. I don't want to turn up missing because some six four fan guy doesn't like me saying negative things. So, essentially, um, poor fuel economy. I think we know why. <laughs> we know damn well why. Um, fuel dilution of the engine oil. Yeah, so that's going to happen on a common rail when you're spraying fuel after the cylinder is down. Uh, cylinder washing. Same problem. Yep. Fuel water separator issues. That's kind of a major one. Uh, cavitation wearing holes in front cover. Yeah, and I've heard a lot of theories about that. I don't know which one I trust. <laughs> and um, the one that's not going to shock any of us, uh, you know, essentially is DPF clogging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, like I said, man, this is like, we, we could talk about LMMs, we could talk about the the third gen 6.7, mm-hmm. um, all these trucks, just the emissions equipment sucked on them. It just, the, the, the technology wasn't well developed, it wasn't well durability tested, and it didn't work in, in real world applications. And that is, I think, the core of a lot of the issues that these trucks have. Yeah, for sure. Um, while it is difficult to, it was difficult to find some nice things to say about essentially the 64 um, I did find you know if you delete if you did a delete on the truck essentially DPF and EGR they're putting over 500 pounds uh, 500 pounds sorry 500 rear wheel horsepower with supporting mods and that's only like an intake essentially lift pump I think I saw it wasn't it wasn't high modifications these right. things were cranking out you know so a very stage one build on a 64 easily gets you 500 yeah. horsepower a lot of questions about how far how much further past you can go there. Uh, we had on JD Gleason, a 6'4 Power Stroke legend, I think we called him. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's 
been to DPC with one of his him or one of his buddies for the last few years with a six four making a huge show. Uh, we we saw him last th- this past year there, Justin. Yeah, um, they did. They they made a, a huge splash there. They they definitely came out and proved a point that you could build a six four and take it to a really nasty place and it could be a really badass truck. Again, it's that thing of what do you have to do to get there and mm-hmm. what are your other options uh i've always said if you're looking for a budget build we're probably not talking about a power stroke probably talking about a cummins you know so it depends what you want out of your truck and what's important to you is you're going to look for it uh and it's funny i did ask you to go find something nice to say about the six four and i said nothing nice about the six later i'm such a fucking yeah, I know. hypocrite i, just, I was like i literally right. I, I i had something nice written down let me go back in my notes here and find it mm. <laughs> Okay, so the 6.7 liter uh, <laughs> came out in 2011. It's still running till current, uh, similar to to the other manufacturers out there. I think a lot of these guys have kind of dialed in. They're, as long as they're not being pressured by any sort of regulatory change, I don't think they're interested in developing brand new engines. Mm-mm. They seem to be more just in modifying what they have. Um, the 6.7 has gone through some modifications as well. Now, when this platform came out, I remember being at Rudy's and a Ford fan walking me over to show me the twin scroll turbo on the 2011-2012 turbos. And they might have even ran that all the way up to 14. I don't remember. Either way, uh, yeah, I do believe it was up to 14. Um, the, the twin scroll turbo is this awesome fucking idea where you have one turbo that essentially is capable of running two different compressor maps so it has essentially two compressors just say welded back to back to each other and then put onto a shaft that's welded to a turbine so depending on which way the internals of the turbo flow to which compressor wheel you're going to get a different amount of spin and speed uh and i'm sorry I think I said compressor, I meant turbine. But either way, the twin scroll turbo, really badass technology, really great idea, doesn't really work in the real world. Uh, (laughs) They they had a lot of problems with them. Um, There were a few really cool things about the 6.7 liter that I thought grabbed my attention. Number one, anytime a company of the size of Ford decides to codename a project, you know it's going to be something badass. Mm -hmm. They did not disappoint Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce the Scorpion? <laughs> uh, a little corny for it, but but I loved it. I, I love that they called it the Scorpion. They still kind of stick with that. You see that in some of the terminology. Uh, this is the first time that Ford built a diesel in-house. Um, all of the other times they had had International or, or Navistar or somebody else develop a diesel engine and then they put it into their trucks. This time they actually went from the ground up and they they built it for their truck, not the other way around. Uh, and, and that gave them some really cool features. To say that it's been popular is probably an understatement. Uh, 500,000 6.7 liter power strokes were sold in the... It, it, were sold in the first three years of production. Half a million diesel engines in three years. Um, people wanted it. Um, but yeah, that 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 twin scroll, or I'm sorry, they call it the SST, it is, it is a dual compressor and single turbine setup. Um, the unit was replaced in 2015 with a single VGT. It's a GT37 from Garrett. 
Ford guys hate to tell you this, it's an LML turbo with a little <laughs> bit, with a, with a few small modifications for the intake system, uh, but essentially the internals of it, it's an LML turbo. Uh, and that that's when it picked up some extra horsepower. Um, the SST has returned to the Power Stroke for a completely revised 2017 model, um, and they, they bumped the torque rating up for those as well. On uh, the 2018 model, they bumped the horsepower and the torque rating up, and then we just heard about the 2020 numbers, and guess what? Horsepower and torque numbers are up again. Yeah. Uh, tow rating as well, number one in class. All they the, are beasts. All the great, they really are. If you've gotten to drive a 15-plus 6.7 Power Stroke, you get it. Yeah. If you haven't driven one and you think they suck, go drive one and then we can talk. Especially um, towing. Dear God. Because I thought they sucked and then I drove one and I was like, oh, I guess I have to admit I like this truck Yeah, you now. even said if you were buying a new truck, you'd pick the Power Stroke. I remember you saying that. <sighs> it, <laughs> yeah, huh? Like, it still hurts to say it, yeah. but it's true. Yes, I, I, I would. I, I absolutely would. Based on what I would want out of a vehicle, I would buy a new 6.7 Power Stroke and that pains me to say it out loud. <laughs> um, there were some other unique components to the 6.7 that I think I've overlooked, uh, things I didn't know until I started doing some of this research. Um, the exhaust and intake manifold design, I bet a bunch of Ford guys know this and they just think I sound so stupid right now. Um, as opposed to the tr- traditional V engine, the intake and exhaust flows are reversed. Okay, so the intake manifold's the intake manifolds are located on the outer deck of the cylinder head, and the exhaust manifolds exit directly into the engine valley where the turbocharger is mounted. This setup really is said to increase thermal efficiency of the turbocharger, and this is the level of engineering we've had to go to over the years of diesel, um, where it's not just about how do I get the turbo to spool, how do I get a horsepower number, how do I manage the heat, because that's always the enemy. Yeah. Um, so so I thought it was interesting that they really, they kind of, I, I mean to say they flipped it on its head I think is a little too spot on, but like they really thought about what are we doing here and what do we want to accomplish when they engineered this engine. Uh, and, and that's why I think this has been such a huge hit for them. It also features an air-to-water intercooler. They're the only ones with that. Um, they're up to 450 horsepower, 935 foot-pounds of torque. They also fall all the way down to like 270 horsepower and 675 foot-pounds of torque if you have one in like a, a, a big like medium-duty F650, F750. So the horsepower range is pretty spread out. Uh, even as you're looking at like a 2018 to current vehicles, 330 in a cabin chassis, 450 in a pickup. So like I, I'm sure as, as we know about cabin chassis, there are more iterations than than just a tune flash, but it's mostly just a tune flash that's going to change that. Jesus. Uh, keep in mind, highest horsepower again Ford's ever put out, highest towing capacity Ford's ever put out. Um, some of these are industry leading on their numbers and things like that. They also are fully equipped with an EGR, a DPF, an SCR, DEF, DOC. It's the full tier four final emissions equipment package that everybody else has. One of the things I like about Ford is that we beat the living piss out of a 2019 that one of the tuners has here. Um, drag raced it, sled pulled it, dirt drags. Just him driving it on the street as recklessly as he does, it's never had an emissions equipment issue. No, not at all. It's been running at nothing but the biggest tune we could put on it since it was maybe 100 miles on the truck. Um, I've driven it, which is a bad idea for anybody who wants their truck to last. Um 
I've driven it. It's nice. It's never missed a beat. Yeah. Never missed a beat. And I love that. That's, that's just hard to beat. And and there's nothing done to the truck beyond a fucking tune. It's, we, we even did a diesel minute on it over at Duramax Tuner. You can check out our YouTube channel. You can watch that video. It's a tune-only truck. All we did is a street tune on it. And the thing's 550 horsepower. It lights the tires up no problem. It does trailer burnouts. It does drag race. It does sled bull. It's fun. It yeah. is fun to drive. It's wild. It's wild to think that 450 out of the factory, and when we first started this, talking about the 7.3, it was, what, 215? And it's essentially double and then some. It's like, yes. oh, my God. Yes. Less displacement than the 7.3 mm-hmm. still, and still more than double the horsepower. And emissions equipment. So. Yeah. And and through emissions equipment on there, no big deal. Man, Ford Power Stroke knowledge. Don't kill us, Nick. Okay, so I'm gonna <laughs> tear up all of my notes. Uh, I don't have to remember any of this, guys. I know what you've been waiting for. You can't wait to hear our interview. We're really trying to get back to our roots around this show. We're trying to get back to educational content, and a lot of times that's going to include hearing from from listeners man just hearing from people who are actually out there doing this who don't have huge six-figure budgets to do wild builds guys who aren't leaders in in the fastest race car or fastest race truck in the country guys who are just like you man guys who just listen to the show and love this shit real fucking people let's talk to justin pike and see what happens All right, guys, and now it's time for your favorite part of the show. This is where we uh, interview either an industry professional, a diesel expert, or in this case, just a hardcore enthusiast. Uh, Today we got on the phone Justin Pike. Justin, how the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, Justin's a fan of the podcast, shot me a message on Facebook, told me a little bit about his truck, and I said, hey, man, why don't you come on the show and tell our listeners about it and kind of the history I'm sure since you've listened to all of our episodes, you know. All right, so Justin, I'm sure as you know, we always ask our first-time guest uh, to tell us a little bit about their history in diesel performance. Where'd you get started in this industry, bud? Um, pretty much I grew up around uh, around your big truck, you know, short, uh, tractor trailer. My grandfather has always done long haul cross country. Uh, my dad's done towing for a few years, and now he, um, you know, working around moving uh, storage containers and stuff so always been around that and everyone in my family has always wanted a uh, you know a diesel pickup but never really wanted to uh, fork out the extra money to purchase one over a gas truck and I was at a point when I was in the military where I uh, had the ability to get one so decided to get one and see what I could do with it awesome man what'd you got uh, so ended up getting the 1998 and a half uh, Dodge Ram 2500. Uh, got the 24 valve in it. Yeah, eat your heart out, Chris Emke, man. Tell us about the truck. <laughs> um, so I bought it because, like I said, first diesel that any you know pretty much anybody in my immediate family had ever owned, and you know so I didn't know a whole lot about them. Was doing some research, found out that that was when I'd be able to use you know, programming, stuff like that. And I saw online how cheap programmers were, so that's kind of where I wanted to go because I knew that I didn't want to leave the truck stock. Um, and so I picked the truck up pretty cheap. I actually got it for 6500 bucks. Only had 230000 on it when I bought it. Oh, barely broken. So 
picked the truck up. I uh, had it for, it was probably about, I think, December. It'll be four years since I bought the truck. Okay. Um, was in the, Like I said, I was in the military when I bought the truck, so I didn't really have a whole lot of spare cash to be throwing at it. Um, at that point, completely stock, lift, tire size, everything was all stock. The only thing that the guy did to it when I got it from him, he had a uh, air, uh, no, the, yeah, the air dog 165 on it. Um, and he said just to assist when pulling his trailer up the hills. Sure. So I ended up, I was in uh, Chicago, Illinois when I had the truck and uh, ended up in the middle of the snow, me and a buddy out there with a hacksaw and everything. We took the muffler and everything out of the truck and took it over to an exhaust shop and got it uh, reconfigured to dump out by the uh, by the front tire. Bro, that's you know, not the time pipe. to do that job in <laughs> Chicago. That's no, no. Were you stationed over at the Great Lakes uh, Naval Base, or where, where were you located then? Yes, it was the, the Great Great Lakes Naval Base there. Um, it was, I was going through training to um, be uh, a fire controlman, basically work with the uh, the weapon systems on board the ship. No shit. Good yeah. stuff, man. Okay, so so you threw an, an exhaust or a partial exhaust on it, it sounds like. Uh, you got a, a, a lift pump on this thing. Hey, it's a Cummins. You got to put an intake on it uh, and a few other basic mods. Catch me up, man. Where are we at today? What have you done to the truck so far? Um, so January, I found out that my VP44 was failing. So did some research, found out that you know, if I just throw a, a factory VP on it, everybody says that they're just going to fail again very shortly. Um, read through a bunch of forum stuff, found out that everybody says that the um, industrial injection hot rod is the way to go for reliability and everything. So I called up, ordered that, and they told me, hey, you know, we recommend at least 100 horse injectors for this. And uh, they then I saw some reviews and stuff, and everybody said that the truck ran better with 150s on it so i called up uh diesel auto power and i was like hey i need some injectors and so told them that i was looking for 150s and uh they told me they currently didn't have any 150s but they would send me some 175 for the same price so went ahead went with those and they recommended me upgrading the turbo so went with the uh it's the s300 it's a 62 68 12 Okay. Um, which is what they recommended to pair up with those injectors. Ordered that, and then a, a three-piece uh, three-piece manifold, and then ended up having to order exhaust and everything. So I ended up just going with a set of four-inch turbo back to a uh, five-inch dual stack uh, with Aussie cut tips, and um, then I took the truck over to a local trans guy. Um, Fred Swanson and he built the uh, transmission to what he calls the stage one which is basically billet torque converter uh, billet input shaft and then custom clutch packs and uh, and then uh, the custom uh, valve body nice and he told me basically because I told him that I planned on using the truck for uh, for a little bit of drag racing but mainly uh, sand drag and he said that that 
that transmission configuration with what I had planned doing to the truck would be pretty much the best setup for it. And then started getting that uh, the quarter tank issue where you know you're sitting at a quarter tank and all the truck all of a sudden the truck was just shut off because it <laughs> starts sucking air. So went and uh, went and got a beans fuel sump, threw that on one night after work. It was like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm out there dropping the tank. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, the pretty common theme there. It's late at night when I like to work on the truck for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I went with the BNC sump, and then I had tried a uh, an edge juice with attitude. Um, the truck, for some reason, would not take to the uh, would not take to the tu- to the tuner. Um, I hooked it up. And power level one and power level five were the exact same, made absolutely no difference to the truck. So I called Edge. They're like, well, maybe it's faulty. You know, just send it back to us. We'll send you another one. Sent out another one. Still wouldn't take. They're like, hey, you know, it might be something with the truck. You know, just send it back. We'll refund you if you want. So I sent it back to them. Then I ended up just ordering a, uh, a Quadzilla, the XZT Plus. I threw that on there and instantly was able to notice a difference. So I just ran that for a while. And that's pretty much, as far as I can remember, that's all I've got done to it so far. That's a yeah, pretty solid build list for one of these trucks. Uh, I wanted to circle back there because you had mentioned the, the sand drags, and that's really something that I think is a super cool kind of newer diesel sport that we see coming up and getting more and more popular up here in the Midwest. People might call it beanfield racing or dirt drags. Uh, out there in Arizona on the West Coast where you're at, guys are, are calling it sand drags. Same essential idea, a little bit different of dirt to drive on. Um, tell me a little bit more about that event. Can you explain what sand drags in Arizona are like for maybe people up here in the Midwest who have never been out there to see it? Um, yeah, so essentially the track that I race on, it's a four-wide four drag strip um, called sand, <laughs> as is the name uh, kind of contributes to there. Uh, essentially, you know, it's just a 300-foot drag race head-to-head. Um, and being in a truck, they kind of limit you on what you race against. I either race against other trucks, cars, or uh, side-by-sides. Um, I've even had, like, a, a midget sprint come out and line up with me. Um, but as far as, like, because you get quads and stuff out there racing, they keep them on uh, the other two lanes, which are separated by a barrier. So... You know, keeps you a little distance there. But okay. I mean, yeah, it's basically just like your quarter mile drag, but only 300 foot and it's through sand. <laughs> that is, I, I mean, I love the idea of the 300 feet and it being on sand. There's a couple of huge advantages for spectators going to an event like this. One, 300 feet in sand means that if a truck breaks down or it loses coolant or it drops oil, you're, they're not shutting the track down for an hour, hour and a half while they clean the track, right? Like, they just push the sand around and, and keep running, from my understanding. Yeah, essentially, um, you know, they'll track you to the truck, pull it off the track, drop them off in the pits, and then they'll run the, uh, call them the blade out here, just the, your grader. You know, they go out there, grade the track, yeah. back out, clean it up a little bit, and you're back running. Uh, it's yeah, like you said, it's a great sport for spectators because you don't have the hours of downtime if something breaks. But most of the time out there when something breaks, like uh, 
I actually broke the truck a couple weekends ago. Um, oh, no. Well, didn't break the truck, but um, split my AC condenser. That's pretty much the worst that I've had happen out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. Not even bad. Well, that, that this is yeah. one of the other things I love about a 300-foot race in a diesel truck. I'm not nearly as worried about overheating. I'm not sled pulling to where I'm just I'm seriously stressing out my driveline components like more than any other sport ever with motorsports ever. Um, you, you know, a lot of the problems and and cost that I think is associated with diesel competitions, a lot of that comes out of it. I mean, the other cool thing about 300 feet is the guy at 500 horsepower and the guy at 700 horsepower, they're, they're on a lot more level of a playing field racing on sand than they are at a track, um, you know, with pavement and things like that. There's just there's a big difference in, in how things can level out. Is that what you're noticing? Are you one of the faster vehicles out there in your, your neck of the woods? So there's only one truck out here that anybody thinks would run a competition on me um, as far as, you know, making it a close race. And it's another common claims that he's making about 1,200 horse. I don't know exactly what my truck's making. I've, you know, different shops that I've ordered parts from have given me different estimates of what they think it would be making for the parts list. Okay. Um, all of them ranging anywhere from 500 to 700 horse. So, but I haven't found a dyno out here to let me run the truck. And right now I just, without having head studs, I'm scared to take it down the quarter mile um, to do the, the calculated uh, horsepower and torque. Sure. So, uh, you know, I, I honestly have no no clue what the truck's making um but i've ran against um a newer duramax that he said that he was making 700 horse and i put three truck lengths on him in the 300 foot uh <laughs> so it's like you said it's pretty much uh you know it is a good equalizer um you know i I haven't been beat yet, and most of the races I put at least a truck length on them by the time I get to the end. Damn. Justin Pike laying down the gauntlet. <laughs> if you're in the southwest and you think you're faster than Justin Pike in, in the sand drags, let us know. We'll hook you up. We'll, we'll, get, a, we'll get some beef going here. I love it. <laughs> how, many races, <laughs> uh, how many races a season do you usually go through, bud? Um, so right now, like I said, I only run at the one track and that's honestly just cause it's close to my house and I drive the truck to the track and I drive it home. Nice. So if I break it, I can flat strap it home, you know, hook it to the back of my dad's truck and just pull her home. Um, it's only like 20 miles from my house. So it makes it real nice. The other track is about an hour away from where I live. Um, so they do it once or twice a month and I'll usually, I try and make at least six passes a night. Nice. No shit. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, I love to hear it. Uh, what's the future look like for you? Where are we going to go with this? Um, well, right now, the one problem that I'm running into is just transmission temperature. Um, being that it is only 300 foot, you don't really get much air movement over the transmission cooler to be able to cool it down, and I'm still running a stock cooler. So yeah. That triple disc torque converter, it is heating it up a little bit. Um, after about three passes, I'm sitting pretty close to 200 degrees. Uh, so I usually park the, tr park the truck and pop the hood and just let her cool down for a little bit so that's what's really limited me on the amount of passes i can make at night um really the only other thing is i want to get uh like i said the head studs in it I'm trying to save up the money right now to get 625 uh the arp 625 okay um and then custom tuning um just did an afb uh cold air intake 
or I mean the SMB cold air intake, um, and then probably an intercooler just because I'm still running factory intercooler also. Um, yeah. And I actually uh, years ago I got into an accident with the truck, so I got intercooler mounts are busted, so the intercooler is just kind of floating in there. Ooh, <laughs> damn. It's a Cummins. They always need a little bit of love. That's okay. That's okay. Zip ties <laughs> go a long way, man. I know it. Yeah, I will say the uh, the funnest thing is everybody keeps asking me, like, why don't you drop tire pressure? Because I run the race at 60 pounds, 65 pounds in my tires. No, in the <laughs> sand? <laughs> what are you, crazy? <laughs> Everybody's like, if you drop your tire pressure, you run quicker. And I'm like, but I'm putting gaps on them anyways. Why put the extra stress on the driveline with the extra grip? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Maybe once you lose one, you'll you'll drop the prior, the pressure a little bit there. That, that's what I keep telling my dad because my dad makes sure he's out there for every race. And, uh, you know, he's, every time he's like, let's drop pressure. And I'm like, once somebody's close. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Leave yourself a little room to improve. I dig it. Justin, real quick, I wanted to know, I know you said you bought the truck. How quickly did you start putting the modifications on the truck once you bought it? Was it, like, immediately? Um, so as far as, like, heavily modifying it, it was, like I said, I bought the truck. December will be four years. Um, it wasn't till this January that I started putting ordering and putting everything on it. Okay. Um, but like I said, I did the exhaust, and that was pretty much it when I first got the truck. Is within like a month. Okay. Um, I just don't like mufflers. So everything I've owned <laughs> pretty much had muffler deletes. I just don't like them. <laughs> it's a southern thing. I noticed that when I was in Texas. I didn't think I saw a muffler the whole time I was there. They're not allowed. They're actually <laughs> They're muffler. really mufflers are banned at the border. You're not even allowed to cross through the state with them. Well, well nice thing in, here in Arizona is the turbo actually counts as a muffler. So. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. Justin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Um, mainly my dad and my grandpa. My grandpa lent, actually was the one that lent me the money to buy the truck. Um, at the point, I wasn't even able to get a loan to buy a vehicle, and I had sold my vehicle expecting that I was going to be able to. So my grandpa lent me the money. I paid him back. Um, and my dad and my grandpa, you know, that. I sit there long nights working on the truck. My dad and grandpa would come out and help. Um, I, when I bought the truck, it had a the guy that I bought it from dropped his fifth wheel on the bed, um, so it had the, the nice horseshoe bed. Um, and one day while I was sitting at work, it's not really a daily driver for me anymore, so one day I was sitting at work and uh, my dad sent me pictures. He had straightened my bed out for me. Um, so, I mean, my family's been a huge help with the truck. Um, just anything that I need, they're, they're willing to help out. And it's, you're going to have Makes to keep nice that thing. <laughs> it's an heirloom now, You're man. There's to memories it to it. That's it. Oh, yeah. Well, with the money that I've got into it, there's no way I could sell it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we get that. We get that. Been there. Been there. Awesome. Well, Justin, thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on to the show. We really appreciate it, man. Uh, listeners, hey, if you want to find out more about the stuff we've been talking about, a great place to do it is over at Diesel Tuners Blog. That's dieseltunersblog.com. Uh, Justin Tyson, who you hear on the show today. Hello. Uh, he's written some articles on there. I've written a bunch of articles on there. We try to cover a whole lot of topics, so Duramax, Power Stroke, Cummins, uh, whatever you got, check it out. Fans of the show, please, guys, if you're listening, jump onto your Facebook app right now 
and join the Diesel Performance Podcast Q&A Facebook group, uh, please, please, please submit a suggestion for a title for that group. I am so sick of that name. We need we should, a new name. We should just let Mike uh, Agonastu name it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an invitation, Mike. Give, give me something good. Give me something good to name the group, and I, I will rename it, uh, and we will give credit for that. For today, this has been Paul Wilson and Justin Tyson. Thank you for listening. What's the one thing every six-liter guy tells us, Justin? My truck sounds awesome. <laughs> um, 